Well, hello everyone. Today we are starting with our new start of the year podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Landifer Muffins. Well, he goes by many names. Landifer Muffins, Landy Muffins, Landers Muffins. It really depends on how I'm feeling. Um, would you like to say hi, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Landon? Hi everyone. My name is Landon and I would like to go by Landon, <laughs> contrary to Chris's wishes, but... Perfect, Landoon. All right, we will be beginning with our first segment. All right, well, um, here's the actual starting. Thank you, Landon, for coming on my podcast. I hope that was entertaining. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's like laughing right in front of me. Okay, now we're really starting. Well, hello, Landon, again. Um, we're starting, uh, I think we have a dance in a few hours, so I appreciate you meeting with me a few hours before the, the dance. Mm -hmm. um, Landon is the the snack man, so I uh, basically I gave him a bunch of money and I was like, Landon, well, maybe it wasn't a, but uh, I gave him a moderate amount of, well, I gave him a little bit, I gave him some money. That you don't have in your possession. It was in our budget. <laughs> <laughs> that I, so Landon, oh, oh, we were like, oh, we're going to have snacks for the dance. And then Landon was like, yeah, we should have money for that. And I was like, huh. So he asked me, like, how much money can we use? And I basically just made up a number. Which was more lenient than last time. Yeah, we don't talk about last time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's get started. Thank you, Len, again for coming. Len is a close friend from uh, Washington. I met him about a year ago. Um, and he's been he's been pretty... He's he's okay. He was I, I'd probably call him my ex-best friend now. Mm. <laughs> and the new best friend is? Oh, there isn't really anyone. It's like a... I, I'm, I'm actually... I sent out, like, a job offer for new best friend but no one's accepted yet it's really sad mm. so i'm actually re regretting like dropping you off like and i'm not part of the interview process well you were so cool initially that i like you just went in mm. like there was no interview but but now. no interviewing the next person oh yeah that actually would be a good like one of you for that <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. uh, all right well um thank you well for the for the for the first we're just gonna get right right into it okay for the for the first question landon where are you right now in life where am i so for anyone that doesn't know me i am a junior at washington university and i'm studying biology on the neuroscience track um, and i hope to become a doctor so i'm gonna start applying to medical schools in the next semester uh, i also am studying chinese and then minoring in biomedical physics and so i'm really interested in a lot of different things in science but also in different languages and stuff. Yeah. How many languages do you speak? I only fluently speak English, but <laughs> <laughs> I am relatively good at Spanish and I am quickly improving in Chinese, hopefully. What's your favorite Chinese word? Um, I really like... Okay, this is like selfish, but I really like my name. <laughs> but so every... Uh, time that they get a new span or a Chinese class, they come in. You asked about my favorite Chinese word, right? Not Spanish. Yeah, chi Chinese. Okay, Chinese. Um, and so every time they get a new Chinese class, the professors name all of the students off of their own name. And so my name in Chinese is Pan Landu. And so each character, Pan is just my surname, so it doesn't really mean anything. But then I really like the characters for my um, to stand in for my first name, Lan Du. Lan Hua is orchid in Chinese, and then Du is Dao Du Du Du, and Dao Du is like virtue. So my name is basically like a really pretty flower and virtue. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. And what's you said the first character is like a sir thing? Uh, a surname. So yeah. What does that mean? Uh, it's just like a last name in English, except it comes first in Chinese. Okay. Yeah. So that's power in Chinese. Yes. Pan stands for power mm, in Chinese. Interesting. And yeah. what's your favorite Spanish word? 
My favorite Spanish word? I really like cacahuates. Oh. I love that word. I've, I've never heard of that word before. Isn't it peanuts? No, we have money. What? So like if like peanut butter, man- mantequilla, like butter. Mantequilla, yeah. De money. De money? No. Dude, there's even a song. Mantequilla de cacahuates. What? I'm pretty sure. Dude, there's even like a, like a really like, there's like a Cuban song. It goes, money, money, money. Like it's. You should record an album. Oh. Maybe I should, um, but no, it's, it's actually like a, well, I listened to the rendition of like Bola de Nieve, which is like a, it's like Ball of Snow. He's like a, an artist from Havana and it's like a really fun song. It's like, it's talking about like a, like a Manicero, which is like a peanut vendor and like little like uh, paper cups where he, they would just fill it with like money with peanuts. Mm-hmm. And then that would be like one of the snacks given to all the kids. Okay. So. Well, according to Google Translate, cacahuates is peanut. Well, Google Translate is, I mean, wrong. I mean, who's it's the, frequently wrong. Isn't it like but. Jeff Bezos or something? Oh my. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we, we don't trust the, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop talking. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so have you considered, um, like with all those lang- languages, have you considered like working in other con- countries or maybe being a missionary or something? I have. We'll have to see. I will be in school a long time for medical school, but I really do think like missionary medicine is something that interests me. Um, But I also feel like there's a large uh, mission field, like kind of where I'm at right now, like on campus at WashU. And then also like if I would go into the healthcare, like a healthcare institution and work as a doctor, there's like a large portion of doctors are obviously not Christian. So I feel like I would be really able to share the gospel and like, especially meet the needs of patients who are Christians that don't have that like spiritual care as they're receiving like yeah. physical care from their doctors. Yeah. So you wouldn't like, cause I think I've heard you in the past say like you've considered like missions to China and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but that, 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 that really just because of your current circumstance, it just really is yeah. in the front of your mind. Right Not now. right now, but I hope hopefully sometime in the future, that would be really interesting. Yeah. Cool. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So sorry. I meanfully, what is that? Spitefully, I, Rudely, there you go. Rudely is the best word. I rudely interrupted your where are you life right now? Would you like to continue? I would. Well, so that's kind of where I'm at in life generally, but then spiritually, I feel like I'm in a really interesting place studying all of this science in school, which is very secularized and separate from the faith, but then also like being here at Heritage of Grace and growing so much in my faith so rapidly, um, I really feel like I'm in a good place spiritually. And I was just starting to read the first volume of Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. Mm. And I was really struck by uh, section two of chapter five in the first volume. And I thought it really like kind of explained well where I'm at. And so chapter five is talking all about like the glories of God in creation and how like in Romans one, in Romans one, 18 through 23, like a passage that's just been continuously coming back to me in like the past few months, um, explaining how the glory of God is revealed and is evident to all creation, like through all creation to all of mankind. And so, um, with Romans 1, 18 through 23 in mind, um, this passage from uh, Calvin's Institutes says, 
In attestation of his wondrous wisdom, both the heavens and the earth present us with innumerable proofs, not only those more recondite proofs which astronomy, medicine, and all the natural sciences are designed to illustrate, but proofs which force themselves on the notice of the most illiterate peasant who cannot open his eyes without beholding them. It is true, indeed, that those who are more or less intimately acquainted with those liberal studies are thereby assisted and enabled to obtain a deeper insight into the secret workings of divine wisdom. No man, however, though he can be ignorant of these, is incapacitated for discerning such proofs of creative wisdom as may well cause him to break forth in admiration of the Creator, to investigate the motions of the heavenly bodies, to determine their positions, measure their distances, and ascertain their properties, demands skill and a more careful examination, and where these are so employed as the providence of God is thereby more fully unfolded. So it is reasonable to suppose that the mind takes a loftier flight uh, and obtains brighter views of his glory. Still, none who have the use of their eyes can be ignorant of the divine skill manifested so conspicuously in the en- endless variety, yet distinct and well-ordered array of the heavenly host. And therefore, it is plain that the Lord has furnished every man with abundant proofs of his wisdom. The same is true in regard to the structure of the human frame, and this is where it really got me, to determine the connection of its parts, its symmetry and beauty with the skill of a Galen requires singular acuteness, and yet all men acknowledge that the human body bears on its face such proofs of ingenious contrivance as are sufficient to proclaim the admirable wisdom of its maker. And so that, I just felt, is really describing where I am kind of having the, I don't know, intersection, but like the collision of science and my faith in my life right now, and I'm just like really in awe of God's revelation of himself of himself in natural creation and so thankful for his like further revelation of himself to us in his special revelation of his word yeah that's cool man i i i love like old quotes uh-huh. i mean yeah like yeah like puritan quotes like calvin quotes like just the amount that they like meditated on like their reality and then on the world and then also on scripture mm-hmm. and sort of um like looked at what god says in his word and just like just meditated on it deeply mm-hmm. and and then yeah it's just really cool and then also seeing like just with that particular quote it's sort of like like i agree like it, it makes sense that um like there's, it's just so clear like god's creation is so clear and so beautiful and wonderful and oh my goodness when what's what's the song what was it um may have been like psalm 19 mm-hmm. psalm uh, there are like multiple times where um so there's I believe Psalm 19 talks about like just the creation of God, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The heavens declare the glory of God. And yeah, and then, I th- and then and then I think the the psalmists, um, David, I think it's David, it's likely David. Yeah, he 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 then goes and talks about if I remember correctly. Um, oh, <laughs> I was reading from chapter 20. Yeah, we have our Bibles out, guys. Um, yeah, I no, actually, we we are memorizing all of this scripture for uh-huh. sure. Chris has it all memorized. I don't. Yeah. I don't <laughs> But yeah, I, I, where is it? I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to find it. There's, there's. I'm particularly re- referring to when when David talks about how, uh, like, what is mankind that you mm, are mindful of? Are him. mindful mm-hmm. of him? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's in Psalm 19. But if not, like, it's like uh, Psalm 19 still talks about how the heavens declare the glory of God and the mm-hmm. sky above proclaims his handiwork. And I'm still reading off the Bible, but <laughs> I should, I should. No, that was memorized. <laughs> yeah, I know I haven't memorized. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, just like seeing how like everything screams out, like 
uh-huh. like God, right? And mm-hmm. then nowadays, and then I think this is the connection that like that you were making, um, that uh, like you're studying science and you get to see, man, like this is God in science, right? Mm-hmm. This is God. And this is like all the, all the chemistry, all the biology, like this, this yeah. is God's amazing creation. And the physics. Uh, the physics. That's like the best part. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. I, I, actually, physics and chemistry, I, I was pretty good at physics and chemistry. I'm okay. not, not going to brag okay. or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but, we're going to talk about biology later. And yeah, no, bi- about that. I actually haven't taken bi- biology since. <laughs> oh, sorry, that, that's a sidetrack. But but now and then, and then I'm, I'm, I think this is where like you're, where you might end up going later, but... And then just like the utter denial mm. of all of these, like, just like all, like all of creation is screaming mm. out, like God is here, God is yes, here. Amen. This is this is God's work. I am God's handiwork. We are we are made by God, and we are mm-hmm. to serve the living God, yeah, because He is our Creator, and mm-hmm. we are creation. Mm-hmm. And then just the utter denial of like today's science mm-hmm. people, yeah. And the rationalizing and the ends that mm-hmm. they go to to rationalize yeah. every other explanation other than a divine. Creator. Exactly, and I mean to a certain extent, we we also ration, all of us rationalize stuff, right? Mm-hmm. When we like are like, oh, I'm not sure about that, or I don't yeah. want to believe that, but but yeah, it's just I don't know. It's uh, it's something that we all that we all do, but it's it's just sad when yeah we do it. So I, I think I'm gonna call myself out here, but. Uh, my 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 mom grew in a very like Pentecostal, mm-hmm. Pente- Pentecostal thing. So I, and then just with the society and I think just with my like not rejection of that, but just like my going to more of a of a historical or I don't know what the word just more reformed point point of view. Mm-hmm. It's like it's very easy to like deny miracles entirely. Like no God, God only works by like normal means, mm. except when it's for His specific point of revelation, and then. Oh, uh, and, and, and then I hear stories of like, oh, well, uh, this person was like healed in a way that doctors can't explain mm-hmm. or, um, I don't know, stuff, stuff like that, which of course isn't the, the, the norm, but then it's easy to be like, no, God doesn't do that. And then trying to rationalize, it was probably this or that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a temptation for me. So just that, that to say like, we're not better than any of these. Yeah, no, exactly. We're not better than, mm-hmm. than them. Yeah. But thankfully God has graciously saved us and given us the opportunity to share the gospel with those around us huh are you are you, are you a calvinist yeah are you out of the are you coming out of, out of the closet mr uh, mr uh, landers publicly pub pl- mm. pl- pl- publicly on air mm-hmm. i may be <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding. we just believe the bible yeah we just yeah. believe the bible we just believe the bible you can call us whatever you want to call us mm-hmm. um all right so uh with my uh well, that's not really much of a question, but do you, you want to keep on talking about sort of that uh, that uh, connection of like you and being in school and being with a bunch of people who don't really quite uh, believe the same things as you, as you do? Yeah, uh, not much other than just saying that it's hard and I can like empathize and mm-hmm. feel what everybody else is going through mm-hmm. that are Christians like in a large university, whether it's like public or private, just like the universe, like the environment of a university and like just the secular workforce in general is just very hard to operate in as a Christian. And so um, I think it's really important, like not to necessarily shy away from it, but instead to like strengthen and like focus on our faith even more. Cause I feel like that's what like coming here to wash you 
And like my freshman year, I knew it would be like very different from what I had previously experienced coming from a rural area of Nebraska that is very like conservative, like the whole state is very conservative. And I'm surrounded by people who are like uh, proclaimed to be Christian and will like at least periodically attend church, the majority of people will. And so I knew it would be very different coming here to a secular environment and a private school that is known for being very liberal. And um, just like my focus singularly was basically on finding a church when I came to school. And since then, I am just amazed with how God has worked in my life to like increase my faith and like show himself to me in various ways, like even studying at a very secular university. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, have you taken any like evolution classes? I have. Do you want to go there now or later? <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I mean, we're, we're on, we're on the, the topic, but I know that evolution is like one of the, the, mm. the bigger yeah. things that people are like, no, don't go to the public schools because they're going to teach you evolution. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. And okay. Do you want my, that would be my general hot take or do you want my theological hot take? So, first? so, uh, so before coming here, um, I was, I was, well, just in general, I was given counsel by people and I actually listened to counsel. So it seems that maybe it would be better to come into these interviews with like pre-made questions. So in my very Chris type of fashion, I, I wanted to hear Lennon's hottest takes. Mm. Like only the spiciest. Uh-huh. Only the spiciest? Only the spiciest. And I'm slightly worried if we go to evolution right now, it <laughs> might take the rest of the time. So okay. <laughs> do you have any other questions before we dive? No, let's just go for it. Okay. So, well, first of all, what do you understand and believe about evolution? Hey, I'm the host here, buddy. It's one question. That could be my Bucko. one question for the day. All right, fine. I'll, I'll answer. So, um, or what is your experience with it? Yeah. So, last time I took biology was in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't touched this stuff ever since. Mm -hmm. But um, it was at a public school. <laughs> he's, he's shaming me. Uh -huh. uh, it was at a public school. So uh, we had like archaeological art. I can't speak today. Archaeological, archaeological, archaeological. We had archaeological. Yes, we had like uh, like just looking at like fossils. Uh, architectural. Okay. Architectural <laughs> uh, fossils and looking at different timelines. So yeah, they had like timelines of like many many years ago. But um, yeah, uh, we had. So yeah, we, we I was taught evolution in my eighth grade year. Then I went to a Lutheran school, mm. so they they didn't teach evolution because they're actually a good, a good Lutheran school. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I, I've done a little bit of research because my twelfth grade year there was this uh, this friend of mine called Sergio, and named, oh, I, I, named yeah. Sergio. Yeah, or do you just call him that, and he has a different name? No, <laughs> <laughs> one of the few people who whose name I whose whose name okay. is actually what okay. I call them. Mm -hmm. um, or sometimes I call him Serge, but that's about it. Okay. And so he was like, so he went to my Christian school, but he was like very pro evolution, very like, uh, like modern. Like, so today a lot of people are postmodern. So like truth doesn't exist. This guy was very much so just like, uh, this is like the arc, the archaeological, oh my goodness. Archaeological. The, I'm, I'm just going to go like the, the a-logical and then you guys know what I mean. It's archaeological. We're defining our abbreviation. We're, we're defining our abbreviation. The a-logical, uh, like, like he was very into it and we got into a bunch of debates and I read like a bunch of books on it. And I think that was the part, that was the time in my life where I like not, str I mean, I've probably struggled with my faith a little bit more and just mm -hmm. like reading and trying to like struggle with all of the um, evolution and uh, all the science 
And then uh, in the end, uh, I did not convince Sergio. Mm. But he was he he was one of those guys who was like very like convinced of his own points and yeah yeah so there was there was no convincing him I was always more of a of a like less intense because I'm not very intense at all really yeah Have things changed since no, eighth I'm, grade I'm just kidding oh that was <laughs> that, that was twelfth grade oh, okay twelfth yeah. grade sorry. yeah so <laughs> that doesn't make much more sense okay <clears throat> so. But but yeah, so that's my experience with evolution. And then since coming to Washu, I I've met people who have different points of view. I actually invited someone to church. Who nice. uh, hi, did he ever meet Parker? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm majoring in philosophy. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he would ab- he would abide by. So Park Parker was uh, just a random Washu student who ended up going to church with me one, one time, and I'm trying to get him back. Uh, I see. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. more or less it. So you want to go um, and give me your your spiel. Well, yeah, so I can kind of talk about my background with evolution as well, because I w- went to a public school as well. I know all the homeschoolers listening, but um, I did go to a public school, and then I had biology sophomore year of high school, and just, like, the course curriculum was, like, teaching evolution and, like, the evolutionary concepts and stuff like that, which I, like, it has just kind of, it's so ingrained in like biology now that it is just kind of assumed, I think, which is interesting for like a hypothesis that has like hasn't and can't necessarily be concretely proven um, how like it defines every area of biology. So it didn't really seem that new or different to me because it kind of just defined biology. And then coming to WashU, um, in intro bio, um, both or two semesters, freshman and sophomore year, bless you. you. Um, it was also just assumed that like the way that the world was created was by like the big bang and a random like evolution of creatures after that. Um, and all happening by happenstance. And so that is just kind of like the framework that you have to work off of for biology, but that isn't necessarily the only framework that works to think about biology, which is like what I've kind of started to, um, begin realizing as I've studied evolution more and then also like become stronger in my faith and like studied the creationist view. Um, and so I don't know if I was necessarily, I didn't disbelieve the Bible as like in high school and stuff like that. I just couldn't see how to like make my biblical worldview of like believing the creation account in Genesis fit with what I was like learning in school in biology and stuff like that. And then that was also something that I had kind of um, struggled with in high school, but then I had just kind of been like, okay, if nobody's going to help me see how to put these together, then I'm just going to have to do the best I can to understand the other side of evolution. And so then that kind of motivated me, also major requirements, also motivated me (laughs) to take a course specifically on evolution this past semester. And um, I think that was very helpful for me. Like it was challenging um, because like the first two or three classes of the course was literally like uh, why evolution is right and creationism is wrong. (laughs) Like just going through all the different arguments of like, and trying to like show how evolution is the only way that is like correct to think about it. Um, 
And so that was challenging for me, especially like in the first week of the semester. And oddly enough, like also in general biochemistry, one, like the first week of classes was about like the beginning of the world and the primordial soup and evolution starting with like the initial like genetic material that just happened to occur by an organic chemical synthesis process. And so like that was a really kind of hard week as well. Um, but thankfully for all my brothers and sisters here at HGC and Pastor Jeff, just encouraging me and like helping me to stand strong in my faith. And I knew I wouldn't like fall away. Size. I No, I would not. But it was just like challenging for me to think about that. But now after having taken a semester of evolution, I feel like I understand their viewpoint really well, which I really like to like consider both sides of a viewpoint while I may already have like my biases of like the Bible and believing in the creation account in Genesis, like it is helpful for me to understand what the secular world is like trying to address with evolution. Um, and so one thing that was like really helpful for me was I read this book titled uh, Evolution's Achilles Heels. Um, and it is written by nine different PhD scientists and edited by Dr. Robert Carter, if anyone would like to look it up. It is uh, it was recommended to me by some of the freshman students at WashU uh, that um, really like are strong creationists and also Christians that come to our campus ministry group. And so that is a very good example of being edified by younger believers. So And so I read this book, Evolution's Achilles Heels, after the semester of evolution uh, over this past Christmas break. Was it a Nick and Gage? It was Nick and Gage. Uh -huh. <laughs> and yes, and that was a conversation with Grayson as well. But okay. yeah. So, um, but then just like one really important difference that the authors make in this book is like distinguishing between the special theory of evolution and the general theory of evolution, just like the theories of relativity, like general and special. Um, but so like the special theory of evolution is basically focused on like speciation and how a certain species can become like multiple different species, which isn't not, like creationism will include like speciation because speciation occurs by natural selection and other forms of selection like that are included under natural selection, which natural selection is basically just like selecting for traits that are favorable in a certain environment, which occurs like it occurs in the natural environment and is observable. And so natural selection is a very different thing than evolution because evolution is basically a set of beliefs or like a viewpoint that is like trying to conclude why or and how the world was created and all creatures like evolved because of that. Whereas natural selection is just like observing what is actually currently happening in nature and selecting for favorable traits. And that's why like certain organisms survive better than others. And that can give rise to different species, which is defined as like two species are differentiated once they, an organism from each of the different species can't mate with each other and produce fertile offspring. And so like the general theory of evolution then is kind of what I was talking about with like theorizing the common ancestry of all living creatures um, from one original common ancestor. And so the general theory of evolution is what is like really attacked in the book Evolution's Achilles Heels and shown how it isn't like necessarily actually explaining what is observed in nature. And um, so like 
the many of the points that they bring up, like the book itself is very helpful to me because it works off of a lot of my already like pre-existing scientific knowledge. So like for a general reader, it would still be understandable, but I got a lot more out of it being able to actually understand all the theories and like the um, things that they were referring to. Um, but one of the arguments that really helped me uh, to like confirm my own like creationist standpoint um, was just about like, actually it was about something that I don't really know a lot about radiometric dating, which is like, it's similar to carbon dating in that it's like a way to find the age of rocks um, and determine like how long, a, like specifically a rock in this case has existed. And so one of the interesting concepts that, or one of the interesting experimental like tests that they did with this radiometric dating is like looking at the age of no, like rocks of known age. So volcanic rock from a few different volcanoes um, that were only like, 40 to 50 years old and to see like to prove whether or not this radiometric dating was accurate and so the process of radiometric dating is basically looking at the amount of a certain radioactive element so an element like one of the elements that they use is radioactive potassium and that radioactive potassium will decompose into a stable element in this case argon and so by measuring the amount of radioactive potassium and then the amount of stable argon in a sample of rock then you can like do calculations to figure out how old that rock is and so that's used in a lot of key that's been used in science in a lot of cases to like prove like try and prove that the earth the age of the earth is like millions and billions of years old but with these tests like these experiments that they did with the, this volcanic rock that was only supposed to give an age of like 50 to 60 years old they in many like they ran multiple different trials i think eight different trials of it and they found ages that were like on the order of one to 3.5 million years old for rocks that were like 50 years old and so like that was just really in like eye-opening to me to realize that the assumptions that go into this radiometric dating is what is kind of its downfall because it isn't able to be proven with like rocks of known age so how can we apply that to rocks with an unknown age because the key assumption well one of the three key assumptions that like scientists have made using this radiometric dating is that the stable element argon that i was talking about earlier starts like there's no argon present in the rock sample they assume that there's none present so any that is present is created from the decomposition of the radioactive potassium into the stable argon but that's how the ages are so off is because they're like are trace amounts or there most likely are trace amounts of that stable argon in the rock sample before like the radioactive potassium starts decomposing and so like we can't know that those like millions of years old ages are actually accurate and they don't appear to be accurate so that was just like one of those are the types of arguments that they repeatedly made through like different areas of biology and chemistry in this book that were really like helpful and eye-opening to me and that really complemented like my knowledge from biology and chemistry previously so yeah Cool. So in in short, uh, reading through that book and just like other pieces of evidence mm -hmm. have sort of pointed that, has sort of pointed out that a lot of the 
presuppositions or a lot of the assumptions made by the people who are generally like, no, like obviously evolution is the correct way. And they Mm -hmm. take it very dogmatically or very like, for sure, like this is it, like if you don't believe it, like whatever. But um, a lot of the assumptions that they make are not based off of that, or at least the point of the books is show that those assumptions are not the most valid things yeah and not even that they're not the most valid things like in making any mathematical or scientific model you do have to make certain assumptions yeah but the main issue is like the unwillingness to challenge those assumptions and recognize that you're making those assumptions and that they could be wrong and giving like inaccuracies in the model that you're actually making cool yeah yeah cool and yeah, and I, I, I know that one of those people who, I'm not going to say his name again because that would be uh, not good for him. I mean, <laughs> he is Russian. Oh, wait, he was on my podcast. Oh, oh no, I shouldn't be saying this. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he because he's also pre-med. But okay, that's, yeah. uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be saying this. Uh, but uh, yeah, so just for like very like for smarter people, because I mean, you and, and that individual both go to like WashU. So I don't want to like sound mean or anything, but it, it, it seems like you guys out of like people would be more interested in knowing this because you're going mm-hmm. to a secular u- university. Yeah. You guys are more interested in, in the subjects you, and you, you guys are trained enough, at least to a certain extent with, uh, with Lord has blessed you guys with minds that are able to understand the topic more. Yeah. So, um, but that's, that's, that's cool because I, I do think that God gives different p- people, different talents. Mm-hmm. And then, it and then I think just generally speaking in, in life at certain points you're just kind of you're, you're just gonna have to like trust people based off of like their authority and like their like uh, like there's pathos uh, ethos and logos off of, off of their like credibility and the re- and the reputation yeah. so mm-hmm. even pe- even people who can't understand all of that or who don't know what like argon is or whatever mm-hmm. or argon mm-hmm. yeah like I don't know it's, yeah it's cool that um, I don't know it's cool that like some uh, that you understand it and that uh, pe- people who aren't as knowledgeable can understand it, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm just wondering. Yeah. Well, and then I also found it very interesting going back to how I was reading the Institute of the Christian Religion. Like then immediately after the passage that I already read, um, Calvin goes into in section four of chapter five about how man is like attributing the glories of God, like to himself, that he can plumb the depths of God's like glory of himself and like saying that nature like just is the force that created the universe. Mm. And so that was really fascinating. I'm going to read a specific section of the institutes in that section four, but um, I just looked up like how old the institutes were compared to On the Origin of Species, which is Charles Darwin's main book on evolution. And so the institutes was written around like 1536 or sometime in there. And then On the Origin of Species was like initially published in 1859. So in my, like keeping in mind that this was written by Calvin like 300 years before Mm -hmm. uh, Darwin's like theories of evolution, uh, Calvin writes, Can anything be more detestable than this madness in man who, finding God a hundred times, both in his body and his soul, makes his excellence in this respect a pretext for denying that there is a God? 
He will not say that chance has made him differ from the broods that perish, but substituting nature as the architect of the universe, he suppresses the name of God. So what it seems to me that Calvin is saying here is that like man knows that it wasn't necessarily just chance that created him, but he will substitute nature as the architect of the universe instead of God. But then to me, it seems that society has even gone so far now as to substitute like randomness and chance as like the creator of the universe, like with uh, Charles Darwin's like book on the origin of species. Evolution is just like random mutations in the DNA that like are selected for and go to fixation that then just like randomly happen to make uh, certain things occur. And this was like, that is one of the big things that has always like caught my interest in like biology and chemistry and physics is just like there doesn't seem to be an acceptance of randomness and chance in other areas <laughs> other than like random like genetic mutation and genetic drift and stuff like that which are like they do appear to be random um but like once you actually do some mathematical analysis they do have a very interestingly ordered like followable pattern which is a side note. But um, then one of the really big things that caught me in biochemistry this past semester as well was Leventhal's paradox, which I actually brought my biochemistry textbook. In simple words, Len, please. I know, I know. I'm going to explain as we read the biochemistry textbook passage. But so the Leventhal's paradox is basically talking about protein folding. So like the proteins that make up your body and act as enzymes and all different kinds of things to catalyze reactions and then function in different parts of your body are made up of like sequences of amino acids, which are basically just small molecular structures that are all bonded together into a chain, a polypeptide chain, that then somehow rapidly folds into like it's it's called its native conformation. But the protein string, like it's basically like a string of beads, then like takes this amazing conformation that can then do all of these different functions in your body. And there's like hundreds of thousands of these proteins in your body. And so like chemists have been trying to figure out how this folding mechanism works. And so this scientist Cyrus Leventhal initially like started exploring like how these proteins actually fold. And so in my biochemistry textbook, which is from Vote and Vote, um, in the, their fourth edition, it says, uh, a back-of-the-envelope calculation first made by Cyrus Leventhal, however, convincingly demonstrates that it cannot possibly be the case that assuming that um, proteins just randomly take up this confirmation, they sample different confirmations, and then they randomly find the confirmation that will match and give the most stable form of the protein. It's saying that Cyrus Leventhal showed that it, that cannot be the case. So he said, like, his calculation was assuming that 2N backbone torsional angles so 2N is basically N is the number of amino acids in the protein. So 2N backbone torsional angles phi and psi of an N residue protein each have three stable conformations. That gives three to the power of two times N. So like if you assume there's 100 amino acids in the protein, so that'd be three to the 200th power possible conformations of the protein, um, which can be converted into 10 to the 100th power. Um, 
which is a gross underestimate, if only because the side chains are ignored. If a protein can explore new conformations at the rate at which single bonds can reorient, it can find about 10 to the 13th power conformations per second. So conformations is just like a shape of the protein, um, which is no doubt an overestimate as well. So we have 10 to the 100th possible conformations of a protein, and then 10 to the 13th power of those conformations can be explored per second. We can then calculate the time in seconds required for a protein to explore all of these conformations available to it. And that time calculation is simply the um, 10 to the 100th power of the number of amino acids divided by 10 to the 13th um, seconds to the negative first power. So um, that would give you the units of seconds. And so for a small protein, like we were talking about, of 100 residues, there it would require 10 to the 87th power seconds in order to sample all of those different conformations and find the correct and most stable one. But the age of the universe, evolutionary age of the universe, is only 13.7 billion years, which is only 4.3 times 10 to the 17th seconds. So there's only like about 5 times 10 to the second, 17th seconds, according to evolutionary biology, that these proteins could fold. But if only one of these small proteins randomly sampled all of these different conformations, it would take more than like three times the time of the time of the universe that evolutionary biologists say the time of the universe has existed in order to take its native conformation. And that's one of hundreds of thousands of proteins. And that's only a protein that's 100 amino acids long. But generally, proteins are anywhere from 50 to 2000 amino acids long. So if you imagine hundreds and thousands of proteins that are way usually way larger than 100 amino acids, that's like it would take so many more year or seconds of the universe existing in order for it to like actually take its confirmation so then the book continues it would obviously take even the smallest protein an absurdly long time to fold to its native confirmation by randomly exploring all these possible confirmations and this inference is known as the leventhal paradox Yet, several proteins fold to their native conformations in microseconds. So, like, all of the proteins in your body can fold in, like, less than a second. And therefore, as Leventhal suggested, proteins must fold by some sort of ordered pathway or set of pathways in which the approach to the native state is accompanied by sharp increasing conformational stability or decreasing free energy. So, just, like, increasing stability of the protein. So, just the paradox and, like, how amazing it is that these proteins in our body, if they just randomly sampled all these conformations, would take longer than the time that evolutionary biologists like propose that the universe has existed to form. But like God, our creator has made them so that they can fold in microseconds. But then like science just totally ignores that like I would say the only explanation for this would be a divine creator. That's why I highlighted it so avidly in my textbook. Yeah, that makes sense. Like for me, but for anyone who did not pick up any you of that, you can find garden, me and I'll explain it. Um, more. yeah, I can I, I can stupefy it okay. <laughs> for anyone listening. So, uh, and then let me know if I get anything wrong. But okay. there are these small structures in our bodies called amino acids that do things that make up protein. That make yeah. up pro. So, but they basically regulate the body and like they or like they build up the body and they make sure that we do stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, proteins do. Yep, proteins. and they're composed and they're of composed of amino acids. acids. Mm -hmm. So these amino acids, in order to do stuff, they have to like fold. Mm -hmm. And so there are a, a many, many different types of folding that they can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then in order to fold, uh, like one would think that if it was by random chance, as Darwin supposes, mm -hmm. that it would take forever because it would have to look through each different combination to see which one's the appropriate one. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the most stable one. And the most stable one. So that that isn't possible uh, mm-hmm. because it just takes too much time. Even in evolutionary biology. In, in evolutionary biology. So that's what the paradox is. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, the paradox is that, or it, it suggests that there is a type of, not that it isn't random chance as Darwin mm-hmm. says, but that there's a certain structure and pattern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that is like there has been no like scientific conclusion for the mechanism yeah. of protein folding. Yeah. Like that was what most of our biochemistry classes about this semester was protein folding. Mm-hmm. And there's not like even a yeah. proposed like solution or like solid yeah. way that the proteins can actually. Yeah. And that's, and that's really cool. And just going back to sort of what like Calvin was sort of pointing out. And then I think you were implying like or at least this is more of my that I just think is cool that um, like this man trying to reject uh god and like say like oh no we 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 know what it is we know the theory this is what actually happened there's there's no god i think that's really so, something that man has been doing mm-hmm. like and that and that's what you were saying like oh calvin said <laughs> calvin said this like 300 years before yeah. before even like like darwin uh-huh. like it's yeah it's like uh, there was it, the previous it, scientist before reminds me of the verse like yeah. there's nothing new un- under yeah. the sun like mankind uh, like the golden calf, like mm-hmm. the Israelites are like, uh, we're going to make our own God. You know, this, this is the God mm-hmm. who took us out of Egypt, but like, you yeah. know, it's, it, it's all foolishness and mm-hmm. we, we, we get our truth from, from God and from his word. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's cool. It's a cool thing right there. But, um, and then I was gonna, yeah, so just, and then, so I wanted to sort of get your, your perspective on this because. Um, like I said, I did a lot of research on like evolution and mm-hmm. all that and like apologetics back in my 12th grade year, like a little bit before I came to yeah. watch you. And so I, I really want to get your perspective on like the, the sort of way that I've viewed it the last like few years is that, um, well, before I go there, uh, have you, are, are, are you aware of like the theories? Like, so, um, so I'm sure you know what the big band is, right? Yes. The big uh-huh. band. Like, I, I'm sure you know more about it than I do. Whatever. <laughs> a lot more than I do. But from my understanding, like people didn't believe that a hundred years ago, a no. hundred years ago, people uh, thought of like, oh, the universe is infinite and it never yeah. had a beginning. So mm-hmm. that's factual. Um, I think so. But one thing that I just find interesting is that like before Darwin, like lot, uh, a lot of the really well-known scientists, like as the evolution's Achilles heel book points out is that like they operated under like the perspective that they believed that God had created the, like they were operating under the creationist Mm. perspective. And so like, while it's not new for people to find different explanations for like why the world was created, it's just like kind of taken the biology and like studies of biology by storm, like this Darwin's theory of evolution. Um, And I don't, I don't know why. Cool. So, yeah, and then I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, and then so just getting back to um, the, so like uh, like I said, uh, like, yeah, there have been di- different like common theories. Mm-hmm. So like about 100 years ago, it was another universe that's always e- existed. It was more yeah. of uh, like an older viewpoint of like originating originating from like the Greeks, mm. if I remember correctly. But um, if, if, if anyone disagrees with, with me, please send me a message. But, but, but so the reason why I bring that up is because from like the viewpoint of someone who isn't big into the science or who doesn't know everything or, or is like, well, this doesn't really make sense mm. to a, to a certain extent. Like this is the viewpoint that I've sort of taken and I sort of want to get your perspective on it, that science is just changing so much mm. right? and it's just continually like pe- people are discovering new things. People are adjusting theories, right? So the viewpoint that I've sort of taken 
is that I'm, I'm just going to um, take what God's word says is true. Mm-hmm. So like there are certain truths that are, uh, to put it nice, I don't know, like like you have to believe them or, mm-hmm. else, you, or else you can't like be a Christian. So for example, you have to believe that there was a historical Adam and Eve mm-hmm. because if that wasn't the case, then sin didn't enter the world. Yeah. And if sin didn't enter the world, then like the whole Bible is just like... Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. And this is one thing that I found very like convicting Mm -hmm. that my evolutionary professor said, but first another thought of my own is like, yeah, we as Christians take the Bible as true Mm -hmm. and like secular biology Mm -hmm. doesn't do anything different with the students that are learning evolution. It's you take what your biology textbook says is true. Mm -hmm. And so it's like operating under the same like authority authority and like having faith Mm -hmm. in this set of beliefs that is presented to you and praise God that he like foreordained that my parents would be so faithful in preaching the gospel to me that I would take the creationist viewpoint and like view the rest of all of creation through that. Um, But then one thing that Uh, my evolution professor like said at the end of the first week of classes after he had like gone through like why evolution is correct and like multiple times like kind of not explicitly but kind of explicitly bashed like the creationist Mm. standpoint that we're all dumb and don't understand um is that he said but you can take the evolution evolution's viewpoint and believe in evolutionary biology he didn't say believe but like think that evolution except evolutionary biology is true is basically what he said but you can like also adopt the moral standards oh, of christianity oh, and i was oh, sitting there in class oh, in the front row and i was like if you're goodness. just taking the moral standards then let's go to legalism and you don't have any gospel so that's not christianity so <laughs> wait 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 no it's this one Oh my. There there we go. (laughs) Yes. And so that is just like, I also have so many thoughts about like why I really think that more, I would really love more people to be interested in biology and like studying it with me because I kind of feel like I'm a lone soldier at WashU in the biology department. You have Nick. I have Nick and I love that so much, but there's like thousands, there's like 7,000 students at WashU and then there's like, Two good reformed Christians that I know of that are studying biology. Well, he's like pseudo reformed. No, oh, okay, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm no, not, not Nick. If you're Nick. listening to this, I, I, I love you. Yes, we love you, Nick. Um, but it's like there's so few of us that are like coming at biology from a creationist viewpoint. Like just in evolution, like in class, it just the first day it was like. Okay, you already, our professor just already assumes that everybody in the room is on the same page as him and believing in evolution is true. And so, like, I would just really, like, encourage, like, parents and then also kids that are, like, in school and stuff like that to, like, invest yourself in biology and stuff like that because this was, like, an interesting conversation that I had with Amber Sims and Jamie Ritzel the other night was like Jamie was talking about how like Christian artists need to make good and quality art and that like we need to present like our Christian art as like high quality, not just like accepting like a lower standard just because, because it's d- Christian just and we don't Christian. have we have a lack of resources because yeah. we're Christian. Yeah. No, we're like Yeah, I agree with We that. are Christian and God has given us these gifts like for me yeah. to like study biology and pursue like a career as a doctor is like I need to do that to the fullest of my ability to glorify God and make his name known and reflect his image into like a vi- society that very desperately needs it. So I would like encourage like parents and children to like 
like know biology well. And even if it means like studying evolution, not studying it because you believe it, but studying it to know how to address it, like, and how to share the gospel into a community that is so like full of that, like point of view and is so like, like reject, like rejects it so readily. And so this was like, I would just encourage everyone to like be invested in biology and the sciences because they like, all of creation like shouts the glory of God. And so if you're studying creation, like all you can do is like study the glory of God. And that is basically like what, what I am so enamored with in studying biology and the sciences. Um, but I do have a funny story about that in evolution class that um, it was after the day, the class after our first exam, I was walking back to, I was walking to class um, to go to lecture, walking through the biology building. And I walked past our professor's office and he had just came out of his office and was walking to lecture. And so I passed him and was like kind of walking in front of him. And I just hear him from behind me say, congratulations. And I turned around and I was like, oh, thanks. And he was like, yeah, congratulations. And that was his like uh, hidden way of telling me a good job for uh, tying with two or three other people to get the highest score on the first exam. And so he was congratulating me for that. And then I sat down in class and the room, mind you, is always like so hot. So I had to take off my I had to take off my sweatshirt every day in class. And that day that he was walking behind me and told me congratulations for getting the highest score in the class on the first exam, I take off my sweatshirt and I had worn my shirt that has Sovereign Grace's newest album, The Glorious Christ, oh. in huge letters oh, right across funny. it. And I sit in the front row right in front of where the professor is lecturing. So he just had like congratulated me for like my ability to like perform well on one of his exams, not because I believed the, mm. not necessarily because I believed the worldview that he was teaching, but because I could like study well and know the concepts that he was teaching to understand it and not necessarily mean that I accept it, but instead, yeah. like, be an image of Christ. And I yeah. really was sitting there, like, read my shirt, dude, please. And then ask me about it. And so, like, just, like, being an image of Christ in, like, your daily life. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wait. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse no. me. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was a good story. I appreciate you sharing that, Landon. And, yeah, and just, and I, I fully agree with you. I think it's really cool when Christians... Like, well, because we, we have the basis of truth. We have the basis. Like, we, we like God is truth. God is beautiful. Yeah. And as Christians, you know, we actually are able to understand, yeah. like, true beauty and true knowledge. And mm -hmm. so I, I agree with you. Like, Christians should be being the best at everything yeah. that they do mm -hmm. just because, you know, that's like, just called to be faithful and to Amen. love the Lord and what lo the yeah. Lord loves. So, And as cool. you're fond of saying, the Christians are going to outproduce all the secular, like, people in the near future. And yeah. so then we can just take over the universities <laughs> and, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I actually was going to, was going to, like, uh, say, like, uh, well, maybe not every Christian has, like, the deep desire to be a biologist. Like, and I'm sure you yeah, agree with that. Like, exactly. Some, like, some are going to be, like, good computer scientists. Mm -hmm. The people are going to be good pastors. The people are going to be good uh, lawn lawnmowers mm -hmm. or not like the actual machine but like the <laughs> <laughs> but they're gonna take scissors <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah but just um like i think it's really good yeah for christians to be just good at what to do and and then just showing christ so i think that's a really mm -hmm. cool story um so two two things real quick number one ladies anyone any ladies listening landon is single 
Oh my gosh. Stop. And um, how do we go from evolutionary biology and creationism to this, please? So Len- Lenin is single, but not for long. Um, because someone as handsome as him could never go single. I thought what you were going to say because you were trying to set somebody up and I'm like, no, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so our church is, oh, actually, I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, well, we go to, if, if you know us and you're cute, like Landon, like, like, I'm, like we, we can introduce you. Okay. Um, apart from that, uh, I was going to say like, and, and then, so I think this is beneficial, like to have also friends, like good close brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Christ who know a lot of stuff in a certain field. Yeah. And then if the Lord gives us many babies, mm-hmm. then we can have, then like, if I had a lot of babies, then I, I could have you teach them all this stuff. <laughs> I, mean, I know not to learn. It's wonderful. It's a win-win. Oh my. So, um, so yeah, so it's also beneficial in that sense. Also Landon, as a biologist, I must ask you, how are babies? You're a biologist? How are babies made? Your parents didn't teach you that? No. Oh my. We're not having a baby. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Apparently. Wait, wait. Uh, it was a joke the whole time. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Definitely a joke. Yeah. You wouldn't want me to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, you saying that that was. So, so just uh, to like wrap, wrap up the evolution debate for, mm-hmm. for, for someone who's just taking the viewpoint, like, like I was sort of explaining, like science is changing all the time, you know, let's just like not think about it too much mm. and just sort of like, well, whatever pops up as, as evidence, like it'll keep on like uh, adv- advancing. I'm just sort of going to take a, I'm not going to think, think about it. I'm just going to trust that the Lord is, is true and good. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that his word isn't false. I'm just going to take, yeah. take it like by almost blind faith, but just, uh, like sort of like that. So how how would you respond to someone like me who would take that point of view? Yeah. Well, and one thing that I have been pondering as well, like after reading this book about like why evolution is wrong and stuff like that, is just that like God Himself is not changing and His creation is not like changing. And so it's just like biologists and scientists are studying like the same creation and they're just interpreting the data differently. And so it's like the reason that evolutionary theory is like supposedly supported by so much evidence is just because they interpret the data so that it supports evolution or that they already assume that evolution is true. And so that's how they interpret the data. But if you take like the creationist viewpoint, like as all of these different scientists do in this book, then it's like it's very and like much more logical in many ways to not have to jump through so many hoops to try and make the world like 13.7 billion billion years old. Like the Christian's interpretation of like scientific evidence is like in many cases more accurate than like the evolutionary biologists, it seems to me. I thought it was like 4.2 billion. For the age of the earth? Yeah. No, 13.7 billion. Oh. Oh, my, my. According to the Leventhal's paradox calculation. <laughs> oh. Okay, um, so I appreciate. Uh, oh, sorry, the universe. Sorry, thirteen. The universe. Years, years. The oh. Earth. Four point seven. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. okay, okay, makes make sense. Uh-huh. Um, so um, taking a little bit of a transition. So that was your general hot take, correct? Oh my. So what is your spiritual hot take? My theological hot take. Your theological uh-huh. Well, this is kind of like going into how my faith has like developed and changed since I uh, was in like high, middle school and high school and stuff like that. So as I mentioned earlier, my parents were very faithful in preaching the gospel to me. And I couldn't necessarily tell you when I was saved because I just believed that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord, praise God, um, from like as early as I can remember. 
so I'm very thankful to God for like providentially like providing me with such like amazing Christian parents that taught me in that way. Um, but I did grow, I grew up in the Lutheran church and one of the really big things, just like the randomness discussion we had that kind of like made me do a double take a lot of times at church in the Lutheran church was like the aversion to the word predestination. And so like whenever I was in like Sunday school or as I was in like high school and youth group and stuff like that, anytime the word predestination would come up, like the conversation would stop and it would be like, dead silence and then you had the feeling like you should just like run in the absolute opposite direction of anywhere that a conversation about predestination was happening and that's just the feeling that I got um in like those situations so that is not representative at all of like people in the church that I grew up in or anything like that but I was just so confused and I didn't understand like truly what predestination actually meant um I probably until like late high school and stuff like that um and as I was like studying the Bible on my own and stuff like, um, like on my morning, like Bible study and stuff like that. But, um, the aversion to predestination was also like translated over to an aversion to like the mention of Calvin and like church and stuff like that. And I was like, well, him and Luther and Zwingli were like the three big ones of the Reformation and the Reformation was really good. So Zwingli, 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 isn't he German? Or Austrian, or what is? Where is he from? Oh, I forgot. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you pronounced the W as a V. But um, so <laughs> then I was just like confused as to how so many like good doctrinal reforms could come out of the Reformation if we were supposed to be so like again or like against. I don't know, but like averted averted from like Calvin and his like beliefs and stuff. And so I was just like very interested with the doctrine of predestination. And so just like coming to college and being exposed to different um, like viewpoints, like the Southern Baptist viewpoint of the Bible and the Reformed uh, interpretations and stuff like that was just like me finding that I do agree with like the predestination, like interpret, like how it is interpreted directly and how it is explicitly, I believe in Romans eight, nine, 10 is just that like God has chosen us beforehand and like he has elected those who are going to be saved. Ephesians one. Ephesians one as well. Yeah. That's where I was going to go. So I have a, actually, I have another no, funny story. Okay. Okay. I have another. Don't go to Ephesians one. Cause I actually have that memorized. Okay. So Ephesians one, four and five. Say oh it. wait. Uh, even as he chose us in, uh, Christ before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and limitless before him. Mm-hmm. Cha-ching! Wait, yes. is that four and five? Yeah. I just, I like I, I just guessed. Well. But no, so my funny story is, okay, so the, well, first, Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And you got it. Even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And so my family, as I've like developed in my faith and come to like become a member of a Reformed Baptist church um, and like come to believe and like firmly like strongly affirm the doctrine of predestination and all of Calvin's five points. Um, I have had a lot of very like intense, but also like helpful and edifying conversations with my parents about like predestination and different Calvinist doctrines and stuff like that. And so um, it's kind of become a running joke in our family with my dad, mom, and my little brother that I like 
predest whenever predestination comes up, oh. you know it's going to be a discussion between like me and my dad. And because so, you're because you're, you're, your dad's a pastor, right? He's like he's in seminary and okay. he's going to be ordained hopefully in May or this summer. He graduates in May and then he's going to be so ordained even in June or July. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a discussion, and I love my parents so much. So I just love all of those discussions, even though I think we could go about them in a better manner at some points. But they're very edifying to like help me like define my viewpoint and stuff like that. But the funny thing was, so um, it was Christmas morning. And my little brother has taken over as a leader of the campus, like campus ministry group. Your taller brother. Yeah, my little taller brother has taken over as like one of the leaders of our like school Christian group, uh, fellowship of Christian athletes at my high school that I helped lead as well when I was in high school. And so they got these cool t-shirts made for FCA um, this past year. Fellowship of Christian athletes. The fellowship of Christian athletes, FCA. Um, And so they got these cool t-shirts made and he gave me one of the t-shirts as a Christmas present and this wristband. And so I opened the t-shirt on Christmas morning and took it out of the box and held it up and the back of it was Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. Oh. And I read it, and I was like, I said thank you. And I go, <laughs> ooh, predestination. <laughs> and my parents just, like, died laughing. But <laughs> it, we continued opening Christmas presents and saved the predestination discussion for later. But it's just, like, I have come to, an, like, firm, like, as I said, I strongly affirm the doctrine of predestination now, and it's become, like, very clear to me, like, I couldn't under, like, talking with my mom and stuff like that, her main concern is, like, what it boils down to is, like, assurance of salvation, and, like, if God chooses people, like, before they're even born, which he does, then, like, how is that, like, I don't know, not necessarily fair, but, like, how is their assurance of salvation or whatever for whoever believes in Christ? And I can't really like reconcile how you can think that there is more assurance of salvation if you, you take, choose. Uh, if you choose, if your salvation is dependent on you having faith in Christ and choosing to put your faith in Christ. Because if you can lose your salvation, then how do you have assurance of salvation? Yeah. Period. Yeah. And so, like, I have feel like coming to this realization and like having these discussions with my parents has been very helpful for me to like, like confirm my own like assurance of salvation. Cause I obviously like still sin and like feel at some points, like Satan is tempting me, like asking me like, Oh, is, did God really save you? And like, but I can firmly say like, no, God chose me before the foundation of the world. And I can't do anything about it. No matter like, no matter my choice, like I put my faith in Christ because I have been chosen by God to believe in yeah. Christ. So yeah, that's cool. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I think of Joel two, uh, chapter two, verse thirty-two. That one memorized? Uh, probably not. It's like two thirty-two. All, all those who actually, yeah, yeah. We're, let's, let's just flip to it instead of me just butchering it because uh, butcher. Oh, we can get there faster. But there. Ah, I'm kidding. Do you want to read it? Ezekiel, or Joel 2, verse 2? Uh, verse 32. Verse 32. Okay. In, into the mic? Yes. Joel chapter 2, verse 32 says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Yeah. So Amen. those who cry out to the Lord and just that whole part of just um, the 
prophets just talking, just like the overall theme of, you know, the Lord's, I mean, this is more Isaiah, but just like the Lord saving a remnant mm-hmm. and then that flowing out to all the nations and then pe- peoples from all the nations are going to get saved. And then the ones, and then Joel, uh, Joel, just those who crowd to the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. they crowd to the Lord. And then as like the end of the verse says, because the Lord chose them, mm-hmm. you know, they're yeah, the remnant. The Lord called them. But yeah. they, but oh. they, but they cry out. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So um that's that's so i I have a bad habit of just going out to peep the people who seem like very strong christians and asking them are are you a christian (laughs) how do you know see if they can defend it yeah see if they can i've I've, I've actually heard someone say uh answer like the reason why is because they grew up lutheran Mm. and i'm like facepalm that's not what i said the first time i met you that's not what you said the first time you met me but uh did i have a good reason did you ask me I'm not sure if I asked you. I asked our pastor, David, because mm-hmm. I thought it was the most hilarious thing. Imagine asking like our head elder. I think you told me about this. Yeah. It's just, and I think he gave a similar answer to what I just said, but I've heard a few different good. Oh, that's a side point, but just, you know, how like the Lord saves people, but just like how, like we know we have certainty mm-hmm. that the Lord has saved us because we yeah. cry out to God, you know, mm-hmm. like that is assurance. Like we can know that we cry out to God because we feel our own dependence, which is not, what, it's not from ourselves, mm-hmm. but uh, but he gave it to us. Mm-hmm. So I, I I appreciate you uh, you bringing that up, and that and that seems like a funny conversation with uh, with you and, and your. Oh, parents. it's so funny on Christmas morning. It was great. <laughs> so, but and then how in, in what other ways do you think you've grown while being at this new church that you go to? I think I have grown a lot in many different ways. Like, um, I don't really know that my Bible reading habits have changed a lot because um, I was basically like had trained myself to have a good morning routine of reading the Bible and stuff, uh, like all throughout like my later years of high school and stuff. And so I've just kind of continued that, but I feel like I'm able to like understand and glean a lot more from what I'm reading, especially in like currently I went back through because like I did Bible in a year plans like for three years in high school that you just that I felt like I went so fast through everything. Like I got everything. Mm -hmm. Not that I remember it at all, but it was through it all. And it was very edifying at that point in time as I was like defining my faith and like looking at the whole of God's special revelation was helpful. But now like I've been going back and just going very slowly through like the first five books, like the Torah. Mm -hmm. And so that has just been like sitting under our pastor's teaching that is so like heavy on like the covenant of God and his provision of faith in like the Old Testament and in the Torah and the evidence of that has just been like helping me to redefine my like just views of the Old Testament as a narrative, like a good story, but actually seeing like what the narrative means and like what Moses is writing in the Torah, like under the inspiration of God. And so like that and sitting under our pastor's teaching. And then also I've been listening to uh, the Nine Marks podcast, Bible Talk, that has also been very helpful. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's really good. I uh, I started listening to their pastor's talk. Mm. It's also very good. Yeah. But um, uh, so... uh, Ata lomed et tenach. Oh my. Hebrew. Lo? Ken? Lo. <laughs> this is why I say biblical Hebrew, yeah, not I, modern. How awful is that to reading the Bible in Hebrew? Kaha, uh, kaha. Kaha, kaha. <laughs> okay. That's um, like cacahuates. Mani. Okay. Oh okay. This is this is a, a digression. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's cool. Like, I. 
Uh, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, we actually attend the same uh, local church. Mm. And uh, when Chris doesn't church cheat, I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. Mm. So <laughs> this is random. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I've like changed a lot since mm-hmm. coming. Uh, la- la- I feel like you've grown a lot since. Mm. How so? Not physically. I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> Spiritually, which is better. <laughs> But like, yeah, so like Landon says that I took a... a, a, a Deep dive off the pill. reformed cliff. <laughs> yeah, so I, it, t- it took me a little while before I sort of like accepted it. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, it's a mystery, you know, mm-hmm. it's all a mystery, you know, we don't, we don't know all that. climbing the cliff. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I just... Jumped. You no, know, I, th- I think I, I think someone pushed me. Mm. I think I slipped off off a banana peel and mm. fell off the mountain and now I'm reformed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, but, but yeah, and then... Yeah, and then I just think that, you know, like now I understand God's word a lot better. Yeah, just like I agree. this is what God has said. Because like before I remember reading, uh, when I just became a Christian, <laughs> I I, I uh, downloaded like a free Bible on like iBooks mm. and it was like the K, it was the KJV. Mm. <laughs> and I understood like like a bunch You're of like up. the funny <laughs> words, a lot of the funny words. <laughs> and I had I didn't understand like, half the words. And so I didn't understand like how to like do it. So I just read from the beginning of the Bible, like in Genesis yeah. and right on. And I understood almost nothing. So just looking back now and like I can see like the different like, oh, this is what the author's saying here, or oh, this is the motif here, or let me give you an example. Um, I actually read this in the book Dominion and Dynasty, mm. so uh, I'm not going to take credit for it, but just like let me give you an example. At the end of the book of Judges, there I, this is going to be a little bit dark, but at the end of the book of Judges, there is a, if I remember correctly, a concubine who was uh, raped and like mm-hmm. sliced into pieces, into pieces by the so. Benjamites, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I just read that. I'm like, this is just weird. Uh-huh. But not reading it and, like, understanding just, like, the way that th- different themes and pictures just continually arise, I see that. And, like, the, the point that the, bo- that the book made and this made, makes sense is that the point of that, like, what the author was trying to say in that uh, circumstance was, like, it was trying to bring back imagery from Sodom and Gomorrah mm. and, like, uh, how they tried to, like, rape the passengers who were going by and, like, they were being very mean to them. And then so the point that the author was making, or at least one of the points, was, was that, man, Israel is a new Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh. Like, the Benjamites, like, they, like they're, they're just as bad as the people who got judged, mm-hmm. you know? So what's going to happen to them? Yeah. And then that's why there was a whole, like, civil war against the Benjamites and why they were like almost taken out by the rest of the tribe. Mm-hmm. So, so just, just stuff like that, just like understanding how the author, how, especially like in the Pentateuch, mm-hmm. sorry, in the Pentateuch, in the Tanakh, Tanakh, you just have to do the, 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 the back mouth rub, uh-huh. rug, I don't know. Tanakh. The Tanakh. <laughs> um, and just doing that and just how much like it all like makes sense and comes to, together or like the, the track of the promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter twelve and then fifteen and seventeen and mm-hmm. just how it progresses through all the yeah yeah so just it's just cool just to understand it all mm-hmm. so and no not understand it all all right a long to ways un- to go no I mean, I mean to understand all that I know <laughs> yes yeah, yeah to yeah, understand yeah. all that I know sorry mm-hmm. sorry sorry for the yeah I um, contrary to popular belief I do not know everything <laughs> dang it <laughs> <laughs> okay but but yeah so and then would you would you say that you've also learned a lot. Yes, I have learned a lot. And like with off of your example and stuff like that as well, like listening to the Nine Marks podcast, I don't remember exactly where they were talking about it with like in reference to, uh, but just like understanding like 
they talked about how in like why Judah is the chosen line through mm-hmm. which Christ will come and like how his like three older brothers will, like all like yeah. disqualified themselves from yeah. like holding the office of the firstborn son and so like how Reuben like, like did slept, all of that slept, slept with his yeah, slept father's with his, wife yeah. right and then how his two brothers like avenged their sister and like murdered men and so then it falls to Judah and so just like things like that that I hadn't like I don't think I wouldn't come up with that on my own. So just like listening to these, like, yeah, well, understanding yeah. Yeah, people who like just learning is like what, like, because I grew, like I spent many years in my previous church, not to trash my previous church, mm-hmm. but I did not learn. Like, like I, I've learned a lot more about like what the Bible teaches because I would have all these questions about, well, what is, why is that in the Bible or what, what does this mean? Or what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. and just understanding it is just, it's just really cool to actually see like, man, this is, this is what God is trying to tell us mm-hmm. through his word. Yeah. Yeah. So. Amen. This is cool. Um, uh, but yeah, thanks again. Uh, we're getting a little bit high in time. Any, <laughs> any, any final, final words? No, but thank you so much for having me on. And it yeah. was so fun to get to hang out with you. Yeah. Mr. McMuffins. Uh, <laughs> Mr. McMuffins. Now Mr. I need to have these discussions more often. Yeah, we, we should. They're, they're fun. Uh-huh. And I think they are edifying. Edifying. Even if um, everyone listening or can't understand like all the fancy terms jar- <laughs> jargon you use, but I, I think something it was cool. So I appreciate yeah. the, your, your time. Can you shake my hand? Yes, I shake your hand. Very firm handshake. Very firm friend. handshake. Okay. Kay. Oh, goodbye, Landy. Thank you. Bye, Out- everyone. Outro. That was pretty bad. Outro. Ah.